Hey everybody, welcome back to Beauty and the Geest, the podcast where we watch bad movies so that you don't have to. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Patrick de Geest, along with... This is Scott. I guess I bring the beauty to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, Damn right. I guess. I'll, I'll, I, I, I've, I've gone with it from the beginning, so we'll just keep going with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're the eye candy. Oh, man. Like a bad sour. horror movie, we need eye candy as well in this podcast. Sour, sour apples right here. <laughs> and uh, this week we watched Neon Maniacs from 1986, it looks like. Uh, if people remember, a quick description. A group of teenagers in San Francisco discover a nest of homicidal monsters living in a tower of the Golden Gate Bridge. But when they try to tell authorities... No one believes them. Yeah, it was quite the uh, 1986 movie. Um, definitely a lot of 80s synth pop soundtrack to it. Uh, a lot of 80s slasher tropes to it. Um, it was, I guess... You could also say there's a lot of people that were way older than teenagers trying to be teenagers. Yes, for sure. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it it was it was something else. It did it, it kind of lived up to the name, um, except for the neon part. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive right in. We'll, uh, I guess, <laughs> start there. It's called Neon Maniacs. I have no idea where neon came from. The, I mean. Uh, I'm, guessing it was probably just part of the uh naming convention because that was a, probably about the time where they really started promoting a bunch of neon colors and everything <laughs> yeah so just to just to draw in people with the name i'm guessing is where the neon maniacs came from right neon lights were probably the sweet new technology around that <laughs> and they thought hey we'll get a lot of people to rent this if we uh latch our movie to the neon light craze of the 80s <laughs> so they go with neon maniacs right off the bat they start with like a poem i'm gonna read the poem i wrote it down this is the, this is the first sound in the in the movie and it says when the world is ruled by violence and the soul of mankind fades the children's path shall be darkened by the shadows of the neon maniacs <laughs> yes and i had like the the weird kind of 80s horror movie voiceover yeah uh, like, like like it was being narrated by uh i guess some kind of raspy voiced uh, echoey affected guy right and i i wrote that down thinking oh there's got to be clues in here like what do the neon maniacs want maybe clues to how you kill them no it was just kind of some random random poem they stuck in the beginning and uh, we'll find that theme a lot that <laughs> a lot of things don't really connect a lot of things don't make sense they leave a lot of things untied uh, motivations, lack of motivations, logical behavior. A lot of that thrown out the window in Neon Maniacs. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this this movie had, essentially, the end was at the beginning. Um, you the, the, the movie opens, they're in 
driving around in a van in San Francisco, which couldn't have been San Francisco. There was zero traffic where they were driving. Oh, they, wait, sorry. Before even that, the opening scene, old fisherman gets done fishing under the Golden Gate Bridge. He's walking home. He, he finds, finds like a cow skull, flips it over. And there are like almost like trading cards or collector cards featuring yes. the image of the the neon maniac monsters just sitting in a cow skull. <laughs> yes, that, 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 that is correct. I, I forgot about that part. Yes. Yes, that that and yes, then you switch to the the teenage group of kids driving around and they go complain about five dollars for beer. They stop right. the liquor store. The guy asks for $5 for beer. The guy's like, oh, we're buying beer, not champagne. I guess that was a lot for beer in 1986. Who knows? Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it opens with just classic. Uh, I guess most of these people are high schoolers. So classic high schooler drinking party. Just a well, bunch of dudes have... just go out to a park. Yeah, they're they're throwing the football around the park in the dark they're making out their one kid's just randomly letting off fireworks right at, throwing throwing firecrackers at people trying to scare them you know just just the usual kind of stuff that that would be going on at a 80s high school party yep, in a dude, public place dudes are trying to get laid some of them are making out uh they're just people making out in the grass yeah, yep. playing football, tossing the pigskin around. The ladies are talking about, you know, if they if they've gone all the way or not. You know, do you like do you like Ray? Do you like Steve? Do you like Gary? Are you on the pill? Yeah, are you on the pill? <laughs> I'm not stupid, of course I'm on the pill. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're they're just trying to hook up. Uh, when the neon maniacs start to show up, and I I <laughs> I can't even keep track how many of them are, there are. There might be six. There might be 12. I think there was uh, probably closer to 12, yes. Yeah, I tried to write them down, but they come and go. Some don't show up till halfway through. But anyway, in, in the first scene, there is uh, like Samurai Neon Maniac. There's one with the uh, Hangman's Noose. Yep, yep, there was the Hangman. Crossbow <laughs> Maniac. The guy that was climbing up the trees. Yeah, and they just kind of slowly wander into the outskirts of this party. They start picking people off. One guy, one guy's leaning up against a tree while his gal uh, goes down on him. Samurai neon maniac sneaks up, decapitates her as she's giving him the business. He doesn't notice for like ten seconds. Just kind of like, hey, why, you know, why'd you stop? Opens his eyes, then he gets stabbed too. Yeah. That was oh boy that that was quite that was quite the death scene there yeah because all you see is just a little lock of hair drop down and then you see your head fall off and you had right. to kind of wonder like that that would be pretty difficult to pull off to only cut her head off while she's doing that and not touch him at all you didn't even notice well samurai maniac is a master swordsman apparently. Apparently so. Much much like the guy who was leaning up against the tree in the park, just the master swordsman, just right, different right. swords. Two master swordsmen, uh, 
going to work, showing off their <laughs> skills. Only one survived. Who else? There's, uh, there's like a big iguana or like lizard looking neon maniac with one eye. The rest of them were almost just like zombied, zombified stereotypes. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Talk about the stereotypical. Mo- yeah. Yeah, right. There's a samurai one. There was a Native American one. There was uh, one was like a, a biker one. One was like a, I don't know, Vietnam vet one. He shows up later yeah. with an M16. There was like a caveman one. One had like fl- just flannel shirt. I assume he was the redneck one. There was there was two samurai guys though too. That that was the weirdest part about it. There was like the green samurai guy, and then there was the red samurai guy. The one guy had a, the actual like samurai helmet. The other guy just had like a mask on. They went. They did go through during the end credits. They did actually go through and list all of the neon maniacs, and I think there was either like ten or twelve. Oh, did they? I didn't watch that far. Man, I should have. Yeah, I was I was just had it on the TV and was kind of doing was the movie ended so abruptly I didn't even have a chance to really get the remote before it started <laughs> yes. going into the credits, which is another part yeah. that we'll we'll get to. We'll get to. Yeah. So the neon maniacs they're killing uh, teens at this drinking party in the park. They kill a few. The rest are like by the van, and the neon maniacs just walk up to them, and the guy with the football is like you guys looking for a game? And they're like, it's like a zombified samurai. <laughs> yeah, he throws the football and crossbow guy shoots it right out of the air. Shoots it out of the air, which you don't you don't mess with a jock's football, man, because that guy's pissed now. He charges the neon maniacs, but the uh, the one with the noose just sidesteps him like a like a bullfighter. And the, yep. the, the dude just, runs neck first into the noose. Just snares him like a rabbit. Yep. They hoist him into the tree. Now, finally, like the rest of the party is, they, they're really slow to react to this threat. But now they kind of figure out they're in trouble. Uh, one of the girlfriends takes off running. She gets crossbowed in the back. Who else? There's only like one survivor. Yep. Natalie is the only survivor. She locked herself in the van. And the maniacs, the guy that was good at climbing trees, jumps up on top of the van. <laughs> That's like his skill. All he did was like, yeah, just like dance from one foot to the other. Like he was almost like a, like an ape. Yeah. And, and didn't say anything. He like held his arms. Like he was an ape kind of danced from one foot to the other as he was walking. And, and there's a guy, there's a lumberjack that, that oh, yeah. was the, the flannel shirt guy was. Yeah, he looks like Toxic Avenger kind of head. And he starts chopping through the windshield, trying to get to Natalie in the van. Yeah. And she's just, of course, closes all the doors, locks them, and is sitting there screaming and basically almost passes out from fright. And suddenly they all disappear. The van stops rocking. There's nobody there. And then, of course, typical horror movie fashion they all, it all starts rocking again and she freaks out again and she it you think it's going to end for Natalie right there and then it stops again and then you see the door handle of the the big sliding door on the van start to rattle so she thinks that they're that they're going to open up the door and they're going to kill her like they killed all of her friends six other friends six of her friends just died and it's the police yeah it's the cops there 
the neon maniacs just disappeared. Uh, you find out why later. There was a, uh, uh, there's a lightning strike, which you find out why that comes into play. But yeah, the police, the police find her in the van. She says, Hey, these monsters killed all my buddies. They take her back to the police station. They don't really believe her because there's no dead bodies. The neon maniacs took all the dead bodies, dragged them out of there. They do the the cops do investigate the crime scene and just find a bunch of ooze. Yep, gook as gook. they called it. Yeah, they call it gook, but uh, they're not. They don't believe her story, which I get. I'm sure you know she says uh, sam zombie samurai kills my buddies, so they just kind of they kind of turn her loose. Uh, she goes home. What do you do? What do you do? Of course, when all your buddies get murdered by by zombified stereotypes, late night swim. Pool. <laughs> yep. Late night swim. That'll that'll relax you. Relax you. Middle of the night, she just dives into the pool while creeper, uh, <laughs> creeper, uh, caveman, caveman maniac. I don't know what to call him. He's the one who looks like an ape. Yeah, I think I think that was the the yeah the ape impersonator. We'll call him an ape impersonator because that that's about the best uh, best nickname I can think of for him. Yeah, just kind of voyeuristically watching her from the shrubs as she swims in the pool. Uh, then she gets into her inner tube, falls asleep. Well, she he did ape ape impersonator did try to grab her right as she was going to dive into the pool because they apparently, since she has seen them, want her dead now, as well. Yeah, he he grabs at her, uh, just gets an armful of air. As she dives into the pool that second, not even knowing he's there at all. She just swims the length of the pool underwater. He's like, well, that didn't work. I'll go back to the bushes. <laughs> yep. So he sits there, spies on her. She falls asleep uh, in the pool, has some some nightmares where it's raining blood. So I guess she's a little traumatized, even though she's swimming after her friends die. Wakes up, realizes it's actual rain, uh, goes inside. Yeah, you know, it took her a while too because you know the the safest place that you want to be in the middle of a lightning storm is sitting floating in your pool, right? <laughs> you know, after after the first thunderclap, you know, lightning strike, thunderclap, and you, she wakes up and it's raining. She's just sitting there, realizes that it's actual rain, and then another lightning strike, thunderclap goes off. You know, she hasn't even moved as far as getting out of the pool, which uh, it makes zero sense as well, but. Again, this movie had lots of things that didn't make any bit of sense. Right. Like the uh, like the next day, really. Well, that night they also introduced Paula. Paula is like a young horror fan. I don't know how old she's supposed to be because they, you know, the actors are such weird ages in this. But she rides a bike, so she probably can't even drive. She's like a 14-year-old horror fan. She does have an Astromo hat, which made me a fan of her uh, just about instantly. <laughs> Yeah, she she's yeah. You introduce you get a quick cut scene of her, and she's standing in front of the mirror with fang. Oh, she's doing is smiling, and you can see she's got vampire fangs. And then they her mom like knocks on the door and tells her she's not supposed to be up that late because she's uh, got school the next day. So she decides that she's going to go to sleep. She takes out her fangs and goes to wash the makeup off her face and. It's like she's going to go to sleep at that point. They they pan through her room, too. She uh, she apparently makes masks, like a buddy of ours. Looks like she <laughs> yes. makes her own horror masks. 
She has a uh, like Blade Runner poster. She's got a Nostromo hat. So she's uh, she's pretty good uh, pretty good horror fan. And she hears about this strange rumor the next day at school. Like there are these murders in a local park. She thinks she thinks that's really interesting because she's a murder fan. Natalie apparently is already back in school. Like, <laughs> yeah, next day goes to school like nothing happened. Right, back in school. Her parents aren't worried about her. Uh, even if they think she's making this all this up, they're not worried that she's like losing her mind. She's just back in school already. Paula wants to get, uh, you know, young horror fan Paula wants to get more info. Tries to question her like, hey, you know, tell me about all your friends getting murdered last night. Hey, you know your friends that got murdered? Can I get yeah. a quick recap? Yeah, I'm a big horror fan. Can you tell me what's going on? Of course, uh, Natalie, not not a fan of that. <laughs> no, and Natalie's friend, which you never find out her name, just basically tells Paula to, to fuck off and get the hell out of there because she's not answering any questions. And that's There's not a lot of empathy. <laughs> really, that's really about it for that that little scene there. Then you close that scene, and then I think you cut to the lunchroom. Yeah, the lunchroom scene's pretty funny because again, not a lot of empathy for for a school where uh, she's claiming to have witnessed a murder. There are certainly fellow students missing, and and Steve, who kind of becomes the love interest of natalie steve's there with his buddy and his buddy's like you know they're, buddy, they're checking out natalie his buddy's like 50 yeah, his buddy's like 50 pretending to be a high schooler it's like why don't you just ask her out man because uh, all her friends got murdered last night maybe now's not the best time <laughs> that's Jeez. not the kind of girl you just ask out you're right yeah he's he's more worried that she he thinks she's uh too good for him than all her friends got murdered and she wouldn't really be into a date right now. <laughs> but then uh, I think Donna, Donna happens to be one of the brothers of these students who got murdered at the park. Donna goes at Natalie, just starts kind of yelling at her like, hey, where's my brother? Where's my brother? And Natalie, yeah. I'm sorry, Donna, but your brother's dead. <laughs> yes. No empathy from Natalie either, no, even it's though. It's such a weird scene. Even even though you know you think that people would have empathy toward her because if she you know if they know that she just witnessed six people being murdered by these random monsters, that people would have a little empathy for her, but then she also has no empathy for Donna, whose brother apparently was one of the guys who got murdered. Yeah, she says, "I'm sorry, Donna. Your brother's dead." And this I mean, is all going on in the high school cafeteria, mind you. <laughs> at, at least, at least she said, "I'm sorry, but your brother is dead." You know, right. I mean, she could at least, you know, there, there, there could have, it could have gone much worse. Natalie at least showed a little bit of empathy, not a lot, but a little. And this is just like common knowledge that like all these kids are missing. Uh, Natalie was there and says it was monsters killed them. Well, Paul, Paula's friend, which you never really get his name either, I don't think, called her Paul, called Paula and told her on the phone about that his dad was working the graveyard shift. This was before school, yeah. and this is what leads up to Paula approaching Natalie in the hallway. And apparently, it doesn't even seem like uh, they go to the same school because. 
on the phone, Paula's friend mentions that she goes to like Union County High School or whatever. And you would think if that was the school that they went to, he would have just said, yeah, they, you know, they go to our school. Right. So it almost seems like Paula went out of her way to a different school to go see Natalie about her friends being murdered. So she's trying to track down all this mur- this murder business going on. But Paula's friend knew the location of the murder because his dad was a cop. And, and right. Heard his dad overheard his dad mentioning the fact that this was apparently taking place the previous night. Yeah, so this is causing conflict, conflicts in the lunchroom. So uh, after that, Natalie is told to go home, stay yep. home from school. Actually, she suspended. gets suspended. We found out she gets she gets suspended because her friends were murdered. <laughs> suspended. Until further notice. Due to friends being mur- murdered. Due to, yeah, due to not knowing what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, like Paula, Paula and her friends I go out to the great to the local cemetery. They're like I guess trying to make a horror film with a vampire. They're making their own vampire movie. They're shooting scenes in the cemetery, but she's really more interested in uh Natalie's murder story. So Starts calling her. I forget how she got her number. Starts calling her at home. But yeah, well, Natalie comes home and that's when you find out why Natalie's parents don't seem to care because they're in Europe. So she's home alone. Yep. Her parents aren't even in town when when all of this happens. So find out that they left Paris and have now headed to Rome. So she picks up the phone and is going to call them in Rome and asked for the international operator and then hangs up because she decides she's not going to burden them with the fact that she's a little upset that six of her friends were just murdered. Which is nice, right? You don't want to ruin mom and dad's vacation. How often do you get to go on a European vacation yeah, yeah. without your kid only to have your kid call <laughs> you and tell you, well, mom, dad, I'm sorry. You guys are having a fantastic time, but I'm going to ruin it. You know, six of my friends were just murdered, yeah. but, don't ask how I'm doing, okay? Don't, yeah. don't don't come home on my part. I hate to be a bother. I witnessed a mass murder uh, with samurais <laughs> and ape men. And a <laughs> guy with an axe tried to chop through a windshield yeah. to get at me. How's Rome, though? How you know? Did you see the Colosseum? <laughs> did, you, did you guys do it on the top of the Eiffel Tower? Did you take some pictures? <laughs> yeah. Where's my postcard, mom? <clears throat> Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yep. Now, yep, she's stuck at home. She gets suspended indefinitely. She doesn't know when she can go back to school. Then I think you cut to was that when you cut to Steven sitting in his room playing guitar? Yeah, he's just playing guitar. Turns out his like dad owns a grocery store, needs Steven to come to work last minute. Steven kind of whines a little bit, but then he's like, okay. He has to go deliver groceries to local customers. Turns out, as luck would have it, he delivers a box to uh, to Natalie's house. Yep. Natalie, yep. of course, back by the pool. <laughs> just, of course. Nothing is more relaxing. Right. Nothing is more relaxing than, you know, to deal with your PTSD of six of your friends getting murdered than just sitting by the pool and sunbathing. You got to mellow out. You got to... 
just relax by the pool. So uh, Steve gets a good look at her in her bikini, which, you know, I'm sure he enjoyed that. Who didn't enjoy that? And she she invites him in. She invites him inside. Actually, he insists that he put her groceries away, which he claims is part of the service. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that was part of the service. And you know, she tells him to put everything on the bottom shelf, so he has to bend over so she can, of course, look directly downstairs. Yeah, get a good look at his uh, ham, <laughs> his honey baked ham, as he's putting groceries away. Yeah, and then she offers him a beer. Yeah, right, right. Hey, you want a beer? <laughs> like, I know, this... I know you're working and have more groceries, groceries to deliver. But do you want a fucking beer? Yeah, you're driving around town delivering on the job. Do you want a beer? But this, this is the weirdest like DoorDash delivery experience ever, right? She's she's swimming in the back. He just insists. He goes inside and puts groceries away. I mean, they know each other, but barely. They're like mild acquaintances at this point. Then they start drinking beer together. And uh, he gets the guts to ask her out. Like, yep. hey. He, he shoots a shot, but it works. Yeah, shoots a shot. Like, hey, do you want to go to the movies tonight? <laughs> and I know you just watched six of your friends get murdered. Right. And nobody believes you that you saw this, but I do. But do you want to go to the movies with me anyway? And she got, says. I know I got to deliver groceries the rest of the night. And I'm drinking beer, so I'm I'm underage. Underage high schooler. Drinking beer while driving, going to be going back out, driving a delivery van, going to other people's houses. Yeah, but get hey, a van full of groceries. How about a movie tonight? And she says yes right away. But then she's like, oh, but one thing. No horror movies. Like, it's almost a joke. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, gonna, your friends gonna, got murdered. This movie's <laughs> laughing at itself a little yeah, bit, at right. least. Yeah, your friends got murdered. Okay, no horror movies. I get it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Paula, Paula, young Nostromo hat Paula, who apparently is a better investigator than the police, uh, <laughs> goes down to the park, instantly finds a, uh, uh, a very clear trail of, what do they call it? Gook? Yep, the gook. Trail of gook. Travel easily tracks that from the park all the way down to this uh I don't even know what you'd call it. It's a brick wall with it's a, like a jazz steel doors. It's like a bridge piling, but has yeah, but, but apparently has a like a garage. <laughs> storage yeah, storage garage for the park or something like that in it. Yes. Yeah. You know that, that it's got twenty foot like steel doors that let you inside. You don't really see it till the very end, but she tracks it down. She tracks this gook down to uh, these giant steel doors where there are dead pigeons everywhere. Yes, which and then... they they never really explain. But she, she's just kind of snooping around the doors and the dead pigeons when a cop surprises her. Just kind of taps her on the shoulder. What are you doing here? Yep. She says she's collecting dead pigeons and she's going to press them between the pages of a book. Right. She's like, cop, cop, just, nah, just get out of here. You know, just points his thumb and tells her to get out. Like, like this Dave Coulier trying to tell people to cut it out. Yeah. And she does, though she clearly doesn't have respect for cops because she goes back up. A different police officer is like, 
there riding her bicycle. Yes, enjoy certainly enjoying tooling around on a twelve-year-old's bike. Right, it's the kind where he's he's got the squat, like he's got his knees sticking straight out, so he can barely pedal. He it's, pulls up. She's giving him shit about it. Like it's it's like yeah, it's like a one one speed BMX bike. Child that's bike. Hot pink. <laughs> You're right, hot pink. This cop is riding it. She says, you know, hey. He says something like, oh, uh, don't, you know, leave your bike around. Somebody could take it. And she's like, or break it. <laughs> and then she takes her bike, pedals off, and goes, oink, 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 oink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the cop. And did you, okay, the reaction of that cop to her, like, going, like oink, 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 as she's riding away. Like, he reacts like he's been shot at. Right, he does. Like, he goes from, like, standing tall, uh, you know, and, and standing up straight to like going almost into like a guitar power stance with like his hand with his hand on his gun after right. she starts pedaling away and it's like dude if you're that intimidated by a 12-year-old riding their bike away from you you probably shouldn't be a police officer. He was yeah, he was about to draw and start pumping her full of hot lead. <laughs> Completely. Yes. <laughs> but you know, he could get away with it. He just say he felt threatened. <laughs> <laughs> she came at him. She's coming right for me on a bike and had to do it in self-defense. So then they <laughs> cut to Natalie and Steven at the subway station. Because apparently the van broke down. You can't see my finger quotes there doing the broke down part. But I'm guessing that he had a little too much to drink and crashed it because he was drinking with Natalie earlier in the day. Right. That's never really explained, but they have to take mass transit now. Or They're taking the subway trying, out to their movie date. He's trying to justify it by saying mass transit is better for the environment, and she you can tell she's not buying it. But he puts the two quarters in there to get them to go through, and they go down into the subway to wait for their train. And that's when you see the maniacs approach, and... You would think that there'd be a little more reaction from the subway attendant to seeing a guy just, I mean, the the, the caveman ape impersonator guy just like hops over. <laughs> yes, leaps the little ticket-taking gate. Samurai come gets stuck, and then like there's a robot one or something. He shoots it with electricity. The shocker. <laughs> <laughs> the shocker. He shocks the uh, the gate with electricity, which breaks it, lets him go through. The yeah, and the samurai guy was gonna cut the he he was gonna cut the the little legs of the turnstile off of there too, yeah. so he could get through. It's just a basic turnstile. While the the you know ticket taker guy is watching the entire thing, like, and okay, he doesn't and, he doesn't react. Yeah, ape man, a like fully armored uh, with samurai sword, samurai. And a uh, robot that shoots electricity <laughs> just came through the subway, and he just kind of watches him go by. And 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 the Native American guy. Oh yeah, Native American guy. <laughs> so absurd. And oh. It's also absurd because this is like apparently San Francisco subway. No one is on any. There's no one using it at all, except yeah. for uh, Natalie and Steve and the neon maniacs. And and I guess. I mean, I guess there would be a little bit less of a reaction because this is supposed to be taking place on Halloween or right right around Halloween. So I guess I can see why there's a little bit less of a reaction. 
But still, you see a guy shooting lightning from his fingertips and the turnstile just starts spinning around and around and, you know, and around just nonstop spinning. That is going to, I would say that should raise some uh, red flags as far as getting a reaction from a subway attendant. <laughs> right. You, you could make a phone call or something, call security. But no, he just lets them through. They go down to where, uh, like, the subway platform where Steve and Natalie are waiting for the next uh, subway car to arrive. They get a good look at the Neon Maniacs approaching. As the car arrives, they quickly jump inside. Yeah, Natalie freaks out because she sees the spear tip, just the tip, of the Native American guy. And she kind of freaks out. And she says she she thought she saw something. And... Steven says, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, you know, don't worry about it. And she feels that she's being chased by these neon maniacs now. And then, yeah, as the as the train arrives, they, they see the other, all four of them approaching. And you see um, that you see Steve and Natalie get on the train, but you don't see what happens to the maniacs. And as they're pulling away, they're looking out there, and they don't see the maniac, so they assume that they got on a different car of the subway. Which, right, which which is what happens. Yeah. The, robo, the, shocker. the shocker goes up to the engineer's car, kills the engineer, and he just wants to drive the subway train, man. <laughs> he's enjoying driving the yeah. subway train. He looks like he's having a good time. While the other three, uh, Native American, Ape Man, and... Well, first Native American and Ape Man find uh, Steve and Natalie, start chasing them from car to car. Uh, They're barely keeping out of reach. Eventually, Steve whips off his belt, uses that to uh, tie like the sliding door handles together so they can't get through. Yes, the Native American guy throws his spear at at Steve and Natalie, trying trying to kill one of them, and it sticks in the wall. So now he is, he doesn't have a spear, but he's still got a hatchet. And yes, so they they're they're running through cars, and they actually gain ground on the on the two maniacs, because the first two cars that they run through, they're they're pretty close behind. The third one, he's got time to take off his belt and tie the doors shut, and that's when they run into the samurai. Samurai's know, waiting for them ahead of them. So, uh, and meanwhile, the uh, Native American maniac and ape man have gotten through the belt. And they yep. they close in from behind, so like now they're kind of trapped in this car. They're, in a they're sandwich. sandwich. Yep the na- the Native American guy cuts through the belt with his hatchet that he had in his belt. Cuts a belt with a belt with a hatchet from the belt. And then, uh, very timely, while they're sandwiched, the uh, I guess autopilot of the subway uh, turns on the emergency brakes. They're co- yeah, they're coming up to the next station, and because the engineer was dead and Shocker has no idea how to operate this train, um, it decides that it's going to yeah run its emergency braking pattern so that way they don't barrel through the station like they they would have, and of course that causes the maniacs to tumble into each other, and Steve and Natalie get away and take off out of the subways and hop on a bus. They they hop on the bus, which they're on the bus for a little bit. When uh, Steve gets grabbed from behind by uh, the Native American maniac, 
And if you look closely again, this is this is one of the things that I noticed with that. They sat, of course, by the only open window on the bus. Yeah, giant open window. None of the other windows on the bus were open except for that one. So you obviously knew what was going to happen. Right. With when... with his back to the window, <laughs> when the most common posture in that survival scenario would be to be looking out the window to see if these things are still chasing you. <laughs> but no. Well, he... they, they did look for a little bit. And then, and then they after they didn't see them there, after the bus started pulling away, and they didn't see them running after them still... They kind of relaxed, and he kind. They were talking, and he, yeah, leaned back against the wall and gets grabbed around the throat by, yeah, the Native American guy. And luckily, Natalie is like uh, either Neon Maniac's uh, anatomy is pretty weak, or Natalie is uh, strong as hell because she shuts that window so hard it just cuts the arm off. <laughs> what she lacks in empathy, she makes up in strength and quick thinking. Yeah, she's a beast, man. She's chopped. <laughs> Just slammed that guy's arm so hard in the window, it got completely severed and like started smoking. Yeah, it started smoking a little bit, and they're just kind of looking at it a little bit, and they don't know what they should do with it. So she, she after she cut his arm off too, they reopened the window. Yeah, and Steve decides he's gonna just toss it out the window. So. You're going to Lorena Bobbitt it out the bus. Just, you know, just discard it out the window as they're moving along. Exactly. And as Steve picks up the severed arm, and as he's about to throw it away, the arm grabs onto his arm as well. And finally he shakes it free, and it lands right next to a guy walking his dog in a bathrobe in his underwear. <laughs> and the guy just sees the hand, like, land by him. He's like, oh, Listen here, Rufus, this is why we have to move out of here, he says to his dog, and yeah, the end of the scene. Not even phased. Not even phased by an arm landing there. No. Nope. Just a random severed arm flies out next to you and your dog, and you're just like, this is where we gotta move. <laughs> Meanwhile. Yeah, it's the end of that scene. Meanwhile, uh, Paula, Paula at some point had been uh, spying on the... Uh, uh, pigeon door. I don't know what to call it. The giant steel pigeon pigeon door. When one of the neon maniacs just like trips and falls in a puddle, and his whole arm starts melting off, and she kind of sees that, gets it on videotape, and that gives her an idea of what their weakness is. Just water. Yep. Which is why that explains some things in the beginning, like why uh, the ape man didn't just jump into the pool to get Natalie when she was swimming. Kind of why they disappeared at the very beginning at, during the attack on the van because, uh, like, some thunder was rolling in then, so there was rain in the forecast. <laughs> they just had to go home. <laughs> so now Paula knows their weakness. She's uh, going to sleep in the attic when uh, I think... I don't even know which one it was. Was It It was flannel shirt guy with a knife, right? It was one of them. They they all either blend it, they all blend together pretty much. There there are a few that stand out, but most of them you don't see yes. well enough to actually tell the difference between all of the different maniacs, which is why you don't know whether there's six or twelve or however many there actually <laughs> right, right. were. If there's a dozen of them, yeah, uh, like six of them are pretty uh, distinct. The other six kind of just look like weird mutant things with various weapons. 
But one of them, one of them walks, just walks up into her attic. She lives in the attic of her house. She hears him coming, that grabs a crucifix off the wall. Well, yeah, because oh, you 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 skipped over a little bit of parts too, where she sits down, she videotapes it, and she goes home to watch the videotape, and it's all blurry, fuzzy, whatever, and. That's when she starts writing. She makes a list of things that will kill the supernatural. <laughs> Which is hilarious because it's just like vampire things. Garlic, <laughs> crucifix, holy water, whatever. Yes, yes. <laughs> but somehow she's loaded up a, she has a, yes. And then the maniac comes up and is um, trying to sneak up to kill her in her sleep because Somehow, I don't know if they saw her earlier when she was videotaping them or I what, but they how did they know Paula would have been involved at all? And they show up at her house and she pulls a squirt gun out from under her pillow. Most people hide handguns, you know, if they're expecting trouble, they had handguns under their pillow. But when you're 12, you get a squirt gun. And she starts squirting the monster in the face with the squirt gun and sees it has a reaction. So she grabs a giant bucket of water that's just next to her bed and throws it on the monster. And then the monster conveniently stumbles into the bathroom, into the bathtub, and she turns the shower on. Which causes him to, like, completely melt away. Like, water essentially works like acid to to the neon maniacs. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they they must be very uh yeah, they they must be pretty reactive to water. And again, and, like another thing they just don't they don't follow up with a lot of things, a lot of logic in this movie. Like she lives at home with her parents. She's got I assume the <laughs> the the melted carcass of a neon maniac in the shower just doesn't even go get mom and dad. <laughs> Well, these these parents about are about as attentive as Charlie Brown's parents, though. You know, I mean, that's pretty much what it worked out. Natalie's parents are gone. Yeah. You never see Steve's parents at all. You see Paula's parents for a minute because she was late getting home before she snuck back out to videotape the Neon Maniacs, and they were going out to dinner or something like that, and said they'd be home by midnight. So you don't know exactly when this Neon Maniac attacked her, but you would think. That parents, no matter what, would notice that you just threw a giant bucket of water on your wooden floor in your attic, whether they're home or whether they're getting home. Right. Or turning on the shower at, you know, in the middle of the night, having this rotting neon maniac corpse in your shower. Yes. But it seems like she's almost got her own little apartment up there in the attic where she has her extremely high tech for that age video editing station. Um, that is way more than a 14 year old or 12 year old or however old she was should have. Yeah. She's got an interesting lifestyle for sure. She's the attic too is like unfinished. It's just like raw lumber studs with horror masks everywhere that she made and like apparently a, a full bathroom in the attic that she uses to, uh, kill monsters <laughs> and i don't remember if because i believe it's the next day yeah they, they just again uh, uh 
Next day, Steve and Natalie, after uh, getting attacked on the subway and the bus, just go crash at Natalie's place. Again, don't call authorities. <laughs> don't talk yes. to anybody's parents. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Steve wakes up to the plate crashing because Natalie dropped the plate in the kitchen and he thinks that something's wrong. He's looking for Natalie and can't find her. And he walks into the kitchen kind of tensely, you know, walks into the kitchen. He's definitely on high alert with that. And Natalie pops up from behind the counter on the far side of the kitchen with a broken plate. She's just making bacon and eggs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Sunny. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Sunny side up eggs. But again, again, a plate. they're pretty relaxed considering what's going on, you know? <laughs> yes. Just just cook up bacon and eggs. But anyway, then, pa Paula comes over. <laughs> yep, Paula comes over and she's knocking on the door and she finally says, you know, hey, I, I, I've seen them too and I just killed one. And then they kind of... Yeah, she tells them water is their weakness. Yep. Just water. They... Regular water. Right, and they come up with the most ridiculous plan. <laughs> this is where the it goes safe, off the rails. The safest place to be is at the Battle of the Bands. Yeah, this is the this is their brilliant plan. Like, again, they're not going to let the, uh, a dozen neon maniacs trying to kill them like ruin the the best years of high school. Right, tonight's Battle of the Bands. Steve is going to perform. So, what's the logical solution? If you convince all your fellow students to go to the Battle of the Bands concert with squirt guns, that'll be the safest place. We'll provide squirt guns if you guys are ready to squirt. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get enough kids with squirt guns, this will be the safest place. Brilliant, you know? I assume this is before Columbine, when all the kids could just bring toy guns <laughs> to a school dance. Well, they were being provided by the bands. Yeah, right. Like nowadays, you'd be evicted. <laughs> hey, I'm at this house with a pool. These things can't go in the water, but let's go to the Battle of the Bands. Yeah. <laughs> Battle of the Bands, where they barely hint. They Steve apparently also is the uh, lead singer slash guitar player for the Outlaws, who is the host and competitor in the Battle of the Bands. Yes, they, they did show him playing guitar earlier, and he actually looked like he could play a little bit. Yeah, that was the one hint. And then, well, you did see him hanging up the poster, too, in, in, the, in the school. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, he, he hung up a poster for the Battle of the Bands when they first, um, when Paula first approached Natalie in Natalie's school. I don't know that, like I said, I don't know if Paula went to school there or not. But Steve overheard that conversation, and that was your introduction to Paula and Steve meeting because he's just he's just eavesdropping and, and, and trying to catch the dirt on, on the Neon Maniacs. And again, here's how stupid this plan is, because it's not just a battle of the bands at the school. It's a Halloween-themed battle of the bands where everyone will be wearing costumes. <laughs> so you're going to yes. lure people dressed up like samurai and Native Americans and apes <laughs> to the, a Halloween party. But those, the Neon Maniacs, won't have squirt guns. No. So, so they'll be a, easy to trap. They'll be easy to spot. And they must have no friends like Steve and, and Natalie. Because if this were my plan, like I'd let our buddies know back in high school. I'd be like, hey guys, by the way, 
me and my new girlfriend are luring a bunch of monsters to the dance tonight. <laughs> so these squirt guns are really important. Don't lose your squirt guns. When I yell like now, you shoot the monsters. Like they don't warn any of their fellow students. <laughs> no. Oh, but he, the other part too, this, this happens actually a little bit earlier too, because the police chief is sitting there smoking his cigar, trying to figure out what's going on. And he calls one of his officers who is barely covered up in bed with some random girl that looks like Steve's friend from high school. I actually thought it was Steve's <laughs> Probably friend was. from high school. Probably was. And tells him that he wants him to tail Natalie. Natalie needs, Natalie needs to be tailed because he thinks that she's the one who killed all of her friends and doesn't doesn't think that there is anything to do with that he wants he wants everybody to keep an eye on Natalie because he thinks she's guilty of killing her friends. Right, and that's where the that's where none of this makes sense because again, there are multiple students from school still missing. <laughs> and it's like, "Hey, we we can't cancel the battle of the bands, man." <laughs> yeah, and there is even there there's even a a group and I don't remember if this is going, but the police even say, you know, hey, the you know, all these parents and everything are there at the at the police station, trying to figure them. out what's going on. Where's Why my son? Their yeah, where are their kids? My daughter's missing. Mine too. My son's missing. Yeah. And the police are just like, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, Don't we're working on it. And the school doesn't give a shit. They're going on to the battle of the bands. And Steve, Steve is legit more concerned with winning the battle of the bands than this uh, impending neon maniac attack. Because he gets up there and he's like all in to the concert. <laughs> Which is... I oh, wish I... there was a clip online. Like, people should watch this just for the Battle of the Bands scene. Oh, yeah. J oh, the, the second act, Jaded? Yes. <laughs> Come on, now. That, that was... You, you go from kind of classic rock, you know, kind of... Stuff that that the outlaws are doing to jaded is like full motley crew kind 80s of 80s hair band yeah yeah rock and roll and there's only two bands it's like the outlaws versus jaded yes yeah the, those are those are the two is this just a grudge match because the outlaws play a song and then jaded plays a song and then the outlaws play a second song which steve is up there Trying to be all sensitive and tender and yeah, it's like a slow love song. <laughs> it almost was close. I, I was, it was like, yeah, it was like the outlaws version of Careless Whisper. Yes, and yep. And Natalie's just like, ah, oh, you're not singing for me. You wrote this before you knew me. I'm gonna go to the bathroom while you're playing this song. <laughs> and Paula, the entire time, is just like sitting up on sitting up between the two stages sitting up on this ledge just watching out for the maniacs yeah she's dressed up like a vampire surprise uh, she, surprise she's dressed she's got like a her vampire. squirt gun just keeping an eye open and again natalie natalie just like steve is more concerned with the battle of band she's like front row just staring at steve lovey-dovey this whole time yeah till till she needs a bathroom break <laughs> Yes, because there's nothing more when you're being chased by the neon maniacs that, that is needed to, to go to the bathroom by yourself. Yeah, and it's just, it did remind me of like more a high school dances where like 80% of the school hallways are just dark and black. Oh, yeah. It, 
And you start, yeah, you, and she just wanders off down a dark hallway to go to the bathroom alone while things are trying to kill her. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's, it's the logic of neon maniacs. And then, or lack yeah. of logic. Well, and then she comes out of the bathroom and gets freaked out because she runs into another student. But that's when the maniac, you see the maniacs coming up to the school and Vietnam guy, like, Bust through a window and yeah, again, and this is like the first time you see them now. We're over well over halfway through the movie, and like suddenly Vietnam, uh, mutant you know, zombie thing with an M16. <laughs> yep, yep, just jumps through, jumps through a window. You had doctor, yeah, you had, well, like you had, a surgeon, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you had the doctor guy who just sneaks up behind the janitor who's sitting in the in the boiler room. Watching a baseball game, and gets he surgeon neon maniac like ethers him. Yes, <laughs> yep. Ethers does knocks the old him ether out, knocks, knocks him out. out. With ether cuts starts his throat, dissecting him, and, and like starts yeah, just like starts breaking off his ribs. Yeah, cuts, cuts him open, starts breaking off ribs, pulling and then pulls out his out. heart. Goes full Temple of Doom on it and pulls still out his beating. heart because it's still beating. Yeah. Then you see security guard. Native American guy and and ape impersonator. And yeah, Native all that Ameri- is happening like behind the scenes still, right? Like at the party, they have no idea yet. They haven't spotted any neon maniacs. And they just start kind of wandering into the party. Yeah, yep. Samurai guy, Native American guy, and ape impersonator kind of start wandering into the movie as Steve's band's up there doing their best dragon sound impression because yes. they're trying to be friends till the end and and there's some drunk chick who legit looks like she has a, a like plastic cup of beer at yes. a high school dance a, like she's at a school dance she's trashed openly walking around with a cup of beer wants to hit on the native american maniac but she's so drunk she's like sloshing her beer around to the point yep. where it, it could spill <laughs> he ba- he backs off because yeah. he knows that she's she could potentially spill on him. If, if he spill, gets beer on him, he'll die. <laughs> and then that's when Paul, well, then she drops the, she drops her cup. And, and that's when the, the neon maniacs strike. And Paula sees the different maniacs in, in the, in the party. And so everybody's trying to Steve's, Stops what he's doing and tries to get to everybody. Paul, uh, Natalie is staying at the front of the stage. Paul is trying to get her attention and she just thinks she's waving and having a good time. So right. she starts <laughs> waving back. And Nat and Paul is still yelling at Natalie over the music, trying to get her to. Uh, she can't understand what Paula is trying to say. So then Paula's like, oh, fuck this. You guys are idiots and grabs the fire hose. <laughs> well, <laughs> She starts off with her squirt gun, which is clearly worthless, right? It's got like a ten foot, uh, yeah. you know, effective range. <laughs> yes, those those ninety nine cent squirt guns that half the time when you pull the trigger, you just break it. Right, it's one of those shitty ones. It's got a ten foot range. Uh, at at this point, Vietnam vet maniac busts in, starts opens fire with his M sixteen on the high school dance, and so now you realize, oh, maybe squirt guns. Not the best plan here. So yeah, that's when Paula grabs well, well, the fire I mean, hose. They, 
they didn't know they were bringing squirt guns to a gunfight, though. Yeah, either. to be fair, this is the first appearance of uh, of that neon maniac. So they they had just seen like spears and swords up to this point. But still, yes, Paula grabs the fire hose and just starts blasting everybody with the fire hose. And I believe she got she got Vietnam guy. Yeah, it's it's hard to know for sure because, like I said, it's they they get mixed up. But yeah, I think they got Vietnam guy because he was the uh, most deadly one. And I I think she got like three of them while they were while they were in there. But the, I mean, <laughs> what kind of what what kind of school is going to have a random fire hose hooked up like that? Right, that just anyone can access. This is before. This is before a lot of uh, safety protocols, I think. Because well, and the best part is uh, Steve's on stage, <clears throat> yelling at all the students. He's like, "Hey, everybody, don't run! Use your what, squirt guns." This is what we gave you squirt guns for. Don't run as people are shooting at you. Shoot yes. them with your squirt guns. As he's he's filled them in with no information whatsoever that these are actually uh, monsters weak to water. They just think it's a dude in camouflage with a machine gun mowing down their classmates. And surprise, surprise, none of them listen. They just take off running, and it's chaos until Paula kind of gets control of that situation and, and and wipes out all the maniacs in that room with her fire hose. Yeah, and, and Steve and Natalie take off running towards somewhere. Which, again... <laughs> Just idiocy. Paula has just secured the room. <laughs> but so as they're as they're running through the school, trying to figure out what else, what what's you know where is a good spot to get away from these maniacs, Steve just grabs another fire hose, puts it, points it down the stairs, and turns it on. Turns it on. Yeah, there are a lot of exposed fire hoses in this school, which I think thinking back, we didn't have any. Someone would have. We had a few classmates who would have done the same thing. They would have just played with the fire hose. Absolutely. Absolutely would have. There would have been some major, major issues. I think we did have some behind glass, but nothing that was just like, hey, just grab this fire hose off the rack, and here's the valve to turn it on. Just point it down the stairs and watch it flood the school. (laughs) And And I love the line, too. Back when they uh, they leave Paula, Natalie says, "You know what? What about Paula?" And Steve's like, "She can take care of herself." It's like, dude. I mean, she technically is taking care of herself, but she's like a twelve year old girl. <laughs> like, she's killed. She's killed more maniacs than Steve has. Right. Like, I would still be a little protective of a twelve year old girl in a monster situation. She's a bigger badass than I am. But follow me. So then they go hide in the chemistry lab, and they're hiding behind the desk. Like the hiding behind the teacher's desk in the chemistry lab. <laughs> yes, and maniacs are looking for them, you know, through windows, stuff like that. They can't find them. Uh, yeah, they're Steve and Natalie are hiding behind the chemistry lab, and it starts to get romantic. It's Steve's just, just yeah, like, it's just put put the moves on, go for it, Steve. And put I had to write this on, down because the dialogue was so absurd. Steve says, uh, "I'm not going to let anything happen to you." I just met you. <laughs> and she says, I know you won't. That's why I like you. And then they start making out. Like, not just kissing. Like, hardcore, dry-humping, making out. 
Yeah, he he was he was like full on going down her neck, not on- not just not just a little not just a little kiss on the lips, you know, for for luck or anything like that. This was like full on like I want to give you a hickey kind of drop to the floor. Up. He's on top of her on the floor of the, the chemistry lab as the maniacs are looking for them to try to kill them. And you know she shouldn't be doing that because she's not on the pill. We found right. that out in the first scene. She's not on the pill. <laughs> and then that scene ends. The chaos in the school just like ends there. And suddenly it's like, what the what the fuck? Like Steve, Natalie, and Paula are just at the police station being interrogated by the cops. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because the 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 one police officer heard Vietnam guy firing, the guy who was tailing Natalie. Yes. Heard, heard Vietnam guy shooting off his gun in the gym, runs into the school, runs into the hangman guy, and gets killed there, too. Yes, yep, <laughs> runs into the, the noose guy, hangman's noose guy, right. And th- so they're, they're at the police station, you know, giving their statement, I'm just saying, look, th- these monsters from under the Golden Gate Bridge uh, attacked our school, <laughs> they killed a bunch of people with a machine gun, again, the police uh, apparently don't witness any of these monsters at all when they show up to the school. So they're a little skeptical, but they're like, okay, we'll take the entire police force, oh, and the fire department to the uh, the pigeon door at the Golden Gate Bridge because we believe you when you say there are monsters on there that are weak to water. So we'll bring the fire department too. <laughs> and there's a scene where they are arming themselves with real guns, squirt guns, and a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> and they go check out the the pigeon doors under the Golden Gate Bridge. And they look in there for maybe two minutes. Yeah, they, look, they open the door, shine their flashlights in, and they're like, nope, oh, there's nothing here. Yeah, they take a quick loop around their flashlights. Literally two minutes. They say there's nothing here. They kind of mock the kids for like, oh, that story is so ridiculous. And again... A bunch of their classmates just got gunned down by a machine gun at the dance. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, you stupid kids, you're just making weird, weird stories up. Go home. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was no corpse from you know, the, the when when Paula killed the maniac in the shower, the, the skeleton was still there. Yes. But when she hit Vietnam guy with a fire hose, there was no skeleton. Right. Yeah, like it it just this movie, so Again, we'll we'll finish up the actual plot of the movie here. Then we'll go into our issues with the movie. Yeah, and, let's finish uh, the plot because it sounds like there's a lot left, right? There's a lot of maniacs still on the loose. Oh, uh, the heroes have to overcome them somehow. You would think, no, no, it's not the case. Uh, the cops send everybody home except for uh, one guy. Like the lieutenant is like, oh, I'll take one more look around. He goes back into the uh, the garage, the Neon Maniac storage unit, walking around with his flashlight. There's just a van in there. He opens the back, like, double doors of a cargo van. There's just blinding bright light shooting out of it with a neon. lizard maniac. Neon light. Yeah, neon light with the, uh, it looks like a giant one-eyed iguana, like a cyclops iguana. Hooks him with a meat cleaver. Or hooks him with a uh, meat hook, drags him into the light. That's the end of him. Then they cut to Steve, 
Paula and uh, Natalie driving home in the van, which I guess has gotten repaired now. Steve's like, hey, do you still have your squirt guns? Because <laughs> this rain isn't going to last forever. End of movie. <laughs> yep. Yep. It was it was more of an unexpected ending ending than The Sopranos. <laughs> yes. Like they didn't they didn't win. They didn't defeat the maniacs. They wasn't some big confrontation. They'd there never was, explain why there's a portal in the back of a van. There was no resolution to the plot whatsoever. Correct. And maybe they went the uh, uh, Charles Band route of always leave it open for a sequel. <laughs> that could certainly be, but you have to write a good enough movie in the first place to make it worthy yes. of a sequel. Yes. Half the Neon Maniacs are still alive. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're just, they're just going to go about the rest of their lives and, uh, I guess fight neon maniacs with water when it occurs, when they, when they get chased and that's their plan. Oh man. Yeah. So that is, yeah, that, that's, that's the end of the movie. Now we'll kind of go through, I mean, this movie, was enjoyable yes for for the lack of logic and continuity and uh res lack of resolution i still enjoyed it it was funny <laughs> it was i mean the the death scenes in the first 10 minutes of the movie were great six mm -hmm. people died in the first 10 minutes of the movie yeah and, and you know i like that mostly in comical ways right there was a decapitation during a yes. blow job Two yes. thumbs up for that scene. There was yes, the crossbow there was, to the back. There, there was the BJD. Oh yeah, we we skipped a few too at the uh, Battle of the Bands. There was a uh, one woman, the drunk beer lady. I think got shot through the head with a crossbow. There were like two people just holding hands, like teen lovers holding hands, and the samurai just chopped one of their arms off. So yeah, it's yep, dangling like from the the girl's hand. So there was some. There was a lot of death and some good funny death. There Which was, I there's like definitely good gore, you know, comical, campy gore and deaths in there. Yep. But just the uh, again, yeah, we I watched it with my roommate Steve last night and we were talking about it a little bit and he yeah, he pretty much said exactly what kind of what we've talked about here, but he's like they they almost seemed like they blew their load in the first 10 minutes. Right. Yep. There was all this death in the first 10 minutes of the movie, and then you spend the next hour trying to explain what happened in the first 10 minutes of the movie and try to justify what happened in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And then the resolution of that was just a couple more deaths, and then you just ended the movie. Like There was zero follow-through on the full story of the movie, and most of the actors that were on this movie were way older than high school. Uh, yeah. I, I mean... It was hard Steve, to guess what their ages were supposed to be, but I didn't realize until they had the school scenes in the high school that, right, most of them were supposed to be high schoolers. Steve was probably late, I would guess, mid to late 20s. Mm. 
in 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 the film. Um, Natalie was probably closer to to you know nineteen twenty twenty one somewhere in that area. Paula, I'm guessing, was pretty close to the same age as Natalie. She had it, 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 for as little as she was, she had a pretty good smoker's rasp when she was speaking. So yeah, that that was part of the that was part of what I saw in there. Steve's friend when they were in the high school cafeteria, he was probably thirty five. Right, like I like I said, I got him confused with the cop when the police chief called them to put a tail on Natalie. I thought he was. I thought like I even said that I was like, man, is that Steve's friend from from school? Is that who they're calling? Like, was he like an undercover cop? Was this a Twenty One Jump Street kind of kind of vibe going on with this? But anyway. Enjoyable to watch. If you enjoy campy, uh, lazy horror movies, yes. I would say give this a watch. Um, I know you'd like to talk about your favorite characters. I would say mine probably would have been Paula. Me too. Just because she just seemed, I mean, she's just the smart ass kid who knows what's going on and knows more than all of the, everybody else that's older than she was. Yeah. She puts it all together. She's a big horror fan. Yeah. She's the one who figures out how to kill them and, and stuff like that. She had the Nostromo hat. That's a winner right there. <laughs> so favorite scene, favorite scene. <laughs> I think it's obvious. I'm picking the, uh, the battle of the bands, the entire thing. <laughs> the the bad music that uh, the outlaws played <clears throat> the bad the whole music fight that scene jaded plays. yeah the bad music that jaded played the uh comical fight scene where you know he's yelling at the kids to don't run use your squirt guns it's like they're getting shot by a machine gun <laughs> yes and and he, and he's got like this clear plastic 44 magnum size squirt gun in the back of his pants. Yes. yes. The kind pulls... I used to have as a toy, right? The, the long barrel 44, like clear plastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's using to fight monsters. Yeah. I mean, this was the eighties. So this would have been before super soakers or anything yeah. like that was out there. Right. They just had those cheap shitty, uh, squirt guns. They did, you know, work with what they had, man. Yeah. <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, overall, I would probably give this about a four out of ten. Um, I, I know Rotten Tomatoes has it listed at a 34% <laughs> for, for a rating. Yeah. I mean, IMDb of has it as a five. There's no, there's no critics reviews of uh, Neon Maniacs, which isn't surprising because critics, well, who gives a shit what critics say? Um, they aren't going to watch movies like Neon Maniacs right. unless they're writing for like Fangoria or something like that. And most of those people, they wouldn't even consider movie critics anyway. Yeah, I, I like this one too, man. I would recommend it. It uh, I don't want to give it probably a little higher, even maybe a five or something. Because it was, it was entertaining, at least from start to finish. There were not a lot of down, you know, down scenes. Uh, I would say after like probably minutes fifteen through like forty five 
we're uh we're we're a little bit of a struggle <laughs> um you know i mean because like after like <clears throat> the whole effect of her uh in the pool and having the blood rain down and everything like that and you see the you know the the fake blood goes into the pool and it gets the red lights coming from underneath and everything that was cool that was good i enjoyed you know that was a cool effect to it but just then it it just like ground to a screeching halt until the subway scene until they start being chased again <laughs> yeah I mean, the, the the school scene where Paula first approaches her, then the cafeteria scene, all of that was just, like, super slow and, and just kind of just ground the entire movie to a halt. It was, it, it was definitely slow. I enjoyed, I guess, the absurdity of it where Steve's buddy is like, you know, go ask her out, man. And, like, no, like nobody cares that these students are missing. <laughs> I like the I liked a lot of the absurd stuff. Like even Steve's plan, like their plan to lure the maniacs to the dance and shoot them with squirt guns, literally got like fifty of their classmates killed. Right, and they're not. They don't feel bad about it. They're not remorseful. <laughs> they're, they're just going on with their lives, man. <laughs> better, better them than me. Yeah, they're just like, did you keep your squirt guns? It, uh, this rain isn't gonna last forever, and they're just cruise around in their van like right? you, you, you just see them do the right. big giant fake laugh after they after they say that and right yeah right. the next day they're gonna be at school the next day just you know why is the line for a uh, pizza at lunch so short today <laughs> like, oh yeah everybody's dead <laughs> they sure cleaned up the blood out of this gym fast right <laughs> it, it was yeah i mean the movie overall was enjoyable. I, I won't I won't complain about that. It was just like that middle section of the movie where sure. they didn't really explain anything. There was no real plot progression in in that section of of the movie. I mean, like, okay, you have a party scene, the maniacs show up, maniacs kill people. Well, where are the maniacs? Why are they here? What you know, what can we do about them? Oh, let's just go to school. Yeah. Yeah, they never explain like the uh the motivation of the maniacs. They like you mentioned before, they appear to want to kill people who have seen them. And they seem to hunt those people down cuz I think that's why they go after Natalie the whole time and then eventually Paula cuz she spots them. But then but by the end, like all the survivors of the high school have now witnessed the maniacs. But they <laughs> they the people at the beginning of the movie, never saw the maniacs. Right, they just they just appeared out of the bridge and went to the park and killed everybody at the park. And and they they never explain you know why they come out of a portal in the back of a cargo van. <laughs> no, they don't explain anything. Is that like an alternate dimension? Is that hell? <laughs> they don't say. They don't tell you what it is. They just every night emerge from the back of a cargo van under the Golden Gate Bridge. And uh, try to kill some high schoolers. And stay dry. And stay dry. <laughs> stay dry. So that was that'll wrap up our discussion yes. on neon maniacs. It's about time. Um, this has been probably the longest explanation of a movie we have had because we're at an hour and fifteen minutes right now. 
Just oh, for Neon Maniacs. Well, because it meandered, and I guess we did too. Uh, we probably did a better job explaining the movie than the movie did explaining itself. Um, <laughs> I, I will, I will say that uh, we we probably gave you better coverage. Uh, we are actually almost adding the lo- as long as this movie was. This movie timed in at about an hour and twenty four minutes. So by the time we are done recording this podcast, we will have. You will you will have been able to watch the entire episode of Neon Maniacs. Uh, <laughs> we have decided, I guess, for next week that we are going to watch Bigfoot's Bride, <laughs> which is also on Tubi TV, which is where we have been watching everything. We're still waiting for the ad money to come in from Tubi TV, but. Maybe when we get more than 26 total listens. Uh, yeah, that, download that Tubi. Money, that ad money will start rolling in. Free with uh, commercials for everything we've watched so far. Yes. And they actually have good stuff on there, too. It's just we prefer the bad stuff. Right. Which uh, <laughs> brings us to Bigfoot's Bride. Here's the description. After the legendary creature of the woods falls for a beautiful camper... It destroys anything that dares get in its path in order to stay close to her. So that should be fantastic. Yep, it's King Kong of the Woods. Yeah, so yeah. Pretty classic setting for a horror movie, like people camping. Sure, they're going to have... And this is actually a new one, though. This was made in 2021. We've been sticking to the 80s a lot lately, but uh, this one is almost brand new. I, I mean, I'm... Ready for some cheesy Bigfoot effects versus, you know, computer Bigfoot effects versus practical cheesy Bigfoot effects. Yeah, I like to mix it up. I like to jump back and forth between eras. It uh, really highlights technological advances. Although there's something I like about the, 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 the visual appearance of like an 80s style movie. I don't know what it is. Oh, and the soundtrack. I mean, the the yeah. synthesizer soundtracks. Um, you know, I mean, just just all of that stuff is absolute classic stuff that we've. Well, I mean, we grew up on it, so of course we're gonna love it. Yes, and uh, looking at, I'm gonna pull up IMDb. Is there anybody in this? There, there wasn't any famous actors in. Uh... Neon, neon maniacs. No, um, I don't see anybody that I really recognize. I got it up on IMDb here. Oh no, no, that's wrench ocracy. I do. Yeah, I don't recognize any of the names. Bigfoot's Bride. Uh, let's see here. Two point three rating on IMDb. <laughs> oh shit! Could be a winner. Uh, Jordan Phipps is the main character. I know. I think I had seen some of stuff that she had been in. Um, I think it's just some TV stuff, though. So, nope, that wasn't her. It must have been the other one. Yeah, I Jack- pulled them up. Nobody, nobody I've seen that's been in anything so far. Jessica Megan Rivera. Um, was in the Impractical Jokers movie, uh, which came out in 2020. 
but nothing nothing major that I've seen besides that. That's the only thing that I've heard of that she has been in. Um, well, this one's new, so uh, the old ones, you know, if they aren't in anything you've heard of, they've had 40 years to work on their skills and get make it big. This one is brand new, so maybe these just happen to be fantastic actors who are new to show business. Just getting their foot in the door. We can only hope. We can. And we can also be disappointed by that, too. But Certainly. I, <laughs> probably. I, probably. <laughs> more than likely, it, it will be. Um, looks like we got some nepotism going on here, because Eric Wofford is the writer and director. And there's also a guy in here named he is he plays fake Shemp in his own movie as well. And he's also got Sam Wofford in this movie. Um, so it definitely seems like uh there is some oh yeah. A little bit of nepotism going on. Maybe maybe a little bit of nepotism, but and a Daniel Wofford. Either way, uh I'm sure that if they're brothers, cousins, whatever, uh, these guys are probably pretty good at what they do. If they're good enough to get a movie made, they gotta be pretty, they gotta be decent enough. <laughs> yeah, and if people want people want to watch along at home, uh, Bigfoot's Bride on Tubi. Feel free to watch along, so uh, you can mock the film as we do. Yes, and that will wrap up our movie talk for the evening. Uh, what else have you been up to, Pat? I mean, I know I just got back from Adepticon in Chicago. Got back yesterday afternoon. Uh, back to the actual real world today of working and now recording. I mean, as you know, we're recording this. Well, you probably don't know, but we were recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> now you know our secret. Yeah, let them behind the scenes. This is where the magic happens on Tuesday. Well, break us down, bro. How did uh, Adepticon go? Oh, well, I guess we rolled into town. Uh, we got into Chicago about noonish on Thursday. Uh, we left really early in the morning. Got into town, I guess, yeah, Thursday, right around noon. One of the guys that was in my vehicle had a historical event going on at one o'clock so that's why we had to leave so early but it also helps to really beat traffic and just get on the road and get there um there hasn't been a convention since 2019 so everybody was definitely looking forward to getting back to this convention and uh if you don't know what adepticon is which i'm assuming um a lot of people that will find this podcast do not know what it is. Uh, it is a miniatures convention held in Chicago early spring. Um, and it's, I believe, one of the biggest miniature conventions in North America, if not the biggest. Uh, they've actually expanded now to two locations. There was two different convention halls for this that they are going to continue to use. Um, because they plan to keep on expanding. Uh, it lasts Wednesday night through Sunday. We usually drive down on Thursday. Uh, some of our group went left Wednesday 
night because they had early events on Thursday. Uh, biggest thing, biggest game that's there is Warhammer 40,000. Uh, none of the guys in our group play Warhammer 40,000 on a competitive basis, but they typically have 200 plus people going to these tournaments. Um, and some of them, a lot of their events are all day. Um, so some of the events will start at 8 a.m. On, on Friday and they'll last till 10 p.m. on Friday. Or there's, that's how long they're scheduled. They usually get done a little bit early. But 12 to 14 hours of gaming per day uh, if you want to go that route. And they also have a gigantic vendor hall, which uh, is very easy to spend a lot of money. Everybody's there showing off new games, new products, um, picking up stuff that you can only get some some of these places. Uh, a lot of smaller companies show up to show off their new products. Fantastic time. Uh, I highly recommend if you're into the miniature wargaming scene or just enjoy people watching to check it out. And are these one of those kinds that you have to, uh, like, get your hotel room and, and arrangements done, like, six months in advance? No. Um, typically, we usually, I guess we do usually do ours in, like, March. Or not in March, in, in November, when the convention's <clears throat> in March. But that's just because... Uh, it it does fill up. the The hotel at the convention center fills up immediately. And now that they sure. have had a second location, they have they have block they have blocks of hotel rooms at that location as well, and those fill it up immediately. But we don't we we don't stay at either of those because they're typically a lot more expensive. But you don't need to. Pick out, you know, you don't need to book your hotel room six months in advance. You could probably book a hotel room in in the area, probably up through January. Um, but one of one of the guys that we go with uh, typically books all of the rooms around November. Once we kind of figure out how many people we have going and what part of the city we want to be staying in, which it sounds like we're going to try to keep staying at the place. Uh, we say that this year because good pricing rate and shared a parking lot with the alternate location, which was great because they had, we're having a shuttle run back and forth between the two locations. So we didn't have to really drive over to the actual convention hall very often. Yeah, that's nice. Do you have a next convention that you're excited for? Uh, that this is the only one that I go to. Okay. Because I've never gone. I think I mentioned that before. I've uh, I should go to some. I really like nerdy stuff. I don't know why I don't go to any conventions. <laughs> well, uh, most of the conventions that that happen are just that. I mean. Like this one, there's actual gaming going on. Most of the conventions that are that happen in like the Twin Cities area are not gaming conventions. They're just fandom conventions. Okay. And the one thing that I hate 
is cosplayers. <laughs> is there a reason? <laughs> yes. Most people do not do them very well. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times you see these people dressing up as these characters from these random anime shows or video games or whatever. And most people are like, oh, who are you dressed as? Well, why would I dress? You know, they, it, it just... As far as I'm concerned, your fandom is your fandom, and and you should uh, just let it let it be that way. You don't need to dress up as your favorite character from your favorite anime to go to an anime convention. Um, well, I don't think I would ever do it. <laughs> it seems like uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is real. You ever read uh, like the Final Fantasy House? That's what I think of when I think of cosplay. I don't. Oh, you should. Oh, you or listeners, whatever. Google. I think it's called Final Fantasy House, and it's this wild story. It would actually be like a pretty good horror movie, I think. And it's people who they like found each other on the internet. They were all like really huge Final Fantasy fans. And started to claim that they were, there's like they had the spirit of some of the Final Fantasy characters in their bodies, and so they all moved into like one place, and they started uh, like referring to each other as as their Final Fantasy character name. <laughs> and it end up it's chaotic. You got to read it because I, I won't do the story justice, but that's how I envision cosplay. <laughs> that pretty that that. Sounds sounds pretty accurate. Final Fantasy House listeners, Google it, read the story. It's wild. I, I'm 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 writing that down because I know I'll have some time to check that out. But that that sounds actually pretty accurate as far as um, what cosplay, what I think that cosplay is too. You know, and 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 that's the thing too. Like, if you have to ask me who I'm dressed as, if I'm trying to dress as a character, then you know, like, obviously you're not a fan of that, so you're not even gonna give a shit about what I'm dressed as. Right? So why would I bother? Like, why would I bother dressing as Batman, going to a Marvel convention? <laughs> You know, to troll like, people <laughs> like like that's exactly what cosplay is to me. That that's what it reminds me of of just another way that people are trying to get attention and are trying to bring forth their fandom and thinking that because they like something that everybody else should like it. <laughs> well. We and, can both and I, stay away. I'm going. And, and I know, I know, I'm sounding like an asshole for this, but I just can't fucking stand it. <laughs> you sound like an old crotchety old man, like kids today. I mean, I am kids a crot- today in their their Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but people my age do it. 
I am a crotchety old man, and people my age are still doing it. Like, I don't get it. Like, okay, I'm going to go to a horror convention. Oh, I'm going to be the 45th person that's dressed as Jason Voorhees at this horror convention because I'm cool. No, you're not. Stop it. Well, based on your description of uh, the various cons, I, I don't feel bad for skipping them because I don't... If I'm going to play games, which I love, I'd rather play with you guys. Uh, I'm certainly not going to go to a, a, a costume convention. Though uh, Brian's got the horror one. I might... We should go to that one this year. That one I wouldn't mind going to because I, I honestly... I don't think that one is as much of... Um, I don't think there's as many cosplayers as there are at like the the anime and the sci-fi conventions, uh, just because those people, most of the horror fans are smarter than to always need to be wanting attention and needing to be in costume at a convention. Yeah, we can go to uh, that might Crypt- be fun. Crypticon, I will. Since I will definitely. Since we go have to a Crypticon. horror podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe, maybe by that time too, maybe we'll have a sponsor and get some interviews. I'm gonna show up with a cosplay just to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, how do you like my Jason Voorhees? <laughs> <laughs> no, you you'd have to you'd have to dress as like the 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 killer eye or something like that, and just be like. Hey man, look at this! I'm dressed as the killer eye from Full Moon Features. Film killed the killer eye. You guys should watch the killer eye because it's the greatest movie ever. If you like tentacle porn, this is the greatest movie ever. <laughs> yeah, and then we lead them to our podcast. And then they can hear us bitching about how bad the killer eye was. Yeah, we can reenact scenes. I'll be the killer eye. You're the beauty. I'll like rub you with my tentacles. You're gonna you're gonna electrocute my nipples with your tentacles? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll zap you to stun you and then get some tentacle electrocution on your steal, nipples. Steal my life force by zapping me and then electrocute my nipples. It's beautiful. We'll do the uh, th- the the stage version of the killer eye. We'll make it a musical. <laughs> the two man show. <laughs> right. We'll get some tap dance numbers, write some songs. <laughs> oh, killer eye the musical. Yeah. Charles Band, we're coming for permission. <laughs> sure, he won't mind. <laughs> oh, anything else? Anything else going on? Uh, nothing new for me. I know you got your uh, one-liner competition coming up this weekend, or next? Is it this weekend or next weekend? It'll be this weekend. So uh, this comes out on Saturday, so it'll be that yep. day. We'll be we'll be round one. The following day will be round two, which I still feel drastically underprepared for because I am uh, still just an average open micer. So I don't know how I'm going to do in a competition, but we'll find out, I guess. I just got to dive in there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just, that's, I mean, how else did you get into open mic stuff, though, too? Right. So maybe you'll get up there and find that you like doing one liners. If you get, you know, you never know. I just want to last a few rounds. I don't want to be the first guy out. Well, just don't go first. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just just remember the old high school speech days where you had to do presentations or speeches and, oh, who wants to volunteer to go first? And everybody's like, not me. Right. 
duck your head down. Don't make eye contact. Uh, yep. Sometimes though, it was better just to actually to go first, just to get it out of the way. But yeah. So uh, yeah, next time, next time I'll have an update. I'll let you know how well I do. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, I guess I don't really have uh, much else going on. Uh, I'm going to be not going anywhere for a while now because I just don't have anything on the schedule. Uh, nothing but work. So <laughs> I'll have we'll have time to actually. Uh, oh, here's another thing I was thinking of. We could we could do this on on the on on the podcast here. You want to do maybe think about this in the future, maybe do some live streams where people can essentially watch along with us. <laughs> sure. Like, like a uh, mystery science theater kind of thing. Uh, well, because of everything with terms of service and everything, we won't actually be able to show the movie, but sure. we can let people know what movie we're watching and the audio it would be okay to show, you know, okay. it would be okay to, to to have going, but I, I was thinking, you know, thinking about something like that where we could actually, um, you know, do something like that. I wouldn't care. I mean, I have to work on my my setup for that because I would need a little bit. I need to get a better camera. Sure, uh, I'd probably be down a for better that. background because I, you see now you see my microphone and now you don't. <laughs> Uh, but just just things like that. But yeah, get it set up so we can actually do some uh, some maybe some live broadcast of stuff. Because once it hits, you know, once it hits summer, I, I don't have shit going on on the weekends or anything like that. I don't know if you guys got stuff going on a lot most weekends or summer. We might we do a lot up in Duluth. That's when. Everybody comes through Duluth on the weekends, but I'm sure there will be some for sure that I could. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, well, and I'm just talking, you know, I'm talking like mid afternoon when it gets. I guess you probably you get a nice breeze off the lake, so it's not nearly as hot. But when it's like 95 and humid yeah. as balls down here <laughs> that, you know, just sure. step step inside and start up a live stream, watch it, watch a movie. We can talk about the movie as it's going on. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Maybe get like three or four people in chat and and talking with us and actually get more, um, find some more listeners on on things because sure like I said I mean we got we got a few but we can always we can always continue to grow I'm trying to I'm gonna looking at our numbers here and we still and we can work on yeah we're still at twenty six total listens. Boom. Nobody has listened to the last two episodes, so nobody knows <laughs> the glory of Raw Force yet. Oh, no. Or Feast. But several people that I had talked to when I was going in my, that were in my group that went to Adepticon have seen Feast and loved the movie Feast. And he has the two, he has two, the other two copies of it on DVD if I want to okay. borrow them. So, hell yeah. Maybe we just have a movie night and then we just watch them and then record them too. Record podcasts. Yeah, that sounds good for them. So that way, if things come up where you're, you know, everybody's busy for a while or whatever, we don't have to. We can record in advance and post, get them ready to post up. 
sure. as well. Sounds good to me. But I think first things first is getting the intro and outro music to set for this. Yeah. And then we'll be fantastically good. Hell yeah. And like I said, I really don't care about listens. I'm having fun doing this, and that's all that matters. Right. And Same here. That will bring us to the end of episode 13. It's almost, we're, we're B13 right now. Lucky 13. We will see you next week with our review of Bigfoot's Bride. Signing <laughs> off, this is Scott the Beauty. And Pat the Geest. Good night, Get, folks. Catch you later. <laughs>